Welcome to Vaginas, Vulvas, and Vibrators with Jordan Donnell. This is a safe place to learn about women's health and sexual wellness. I'm your host, Jordan Donnell, physician assistant, women's sexual health educator, and intimacy coach. On today's episode, we are talking about a very hot topic in the media right now, the Roe versus Wade potential overturning coming up. In this episode, we are going to talk about how this affects women and vulva owners and vagina owners, as well as what to do about it in preparation for this potential overturning. This episode is full of really good information and hope you enjoy. Before we get into today's episode, I want to know, are you having a hard time finding a sex toy? Or maybe you're feeling really overwhelmed by all of the possible options that are out there. You have clitoral, you have dual action, you have couples toy or a C-ring, you have vaginal, you have G-spot, you want vibration, no vibration. Do you want it to suck or not? So many different options are available, which can be very overwhelming. So I have created my how to pick a sex toy guide. This guide is going to ask you a handful of questions to help gear you towards the type of toy that you may find enjoyable. To get your how to pick a sex toy guide, go to freebies.jordandanelle.com. I can't wait to hear what toys you decide to try. Joining me today is Dr. Jennifer Lincoln. She is a board certified OBGYN who is passionate about helping girls, women, and those assigned female at birth understand their bodies and feel empowered to advocate for themselves. Her book, Let's Talk About Down There, and OBGYN answers all your burning questions without making you feel embarrassed to ask, is a shame-free illustrated handbook for people with vaginas. It's like the health class you wish you had, but evidence-based, myth-busting sex ed that tosses shame out the window. I'm so excited to talk with her today all about Roe versus Wade. So that being said, let's jump right into it. I am excited to chat about Roe versus Wade with you today. And what exactly is this thing that we are dealing with right now in society? What is Roe versus Wade? So Roe versus Wade was a decision that came out in 1973 that basically said that we have the right to, to privacy and that the ability to have an abortion is something that is a private matter. And so the government should not be legislating on it. And then you'll see Roe v. Wade versus uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey and taken together, both of them have ensured that abortion access would be protected under this idea of privacy without really this idea of like, there was no hard and fast cutoff rule in terms of when abortion could happen or couldn't happen. So what we're seeing now with the challenge of the Supreme Court or this leak that you've seen is that the Supreme Court is considering and probably will overturn it, which is a huge thing from a law standpoint. I am not a lawyer at all, but but the understanding that the laws are there to set precedent. So the idea that they are then backtracking on something that has been precedent for a long time now with their basics of their weird argument that it's based on other precedents going back like hundreds of years. If you read Alito's opinion, it's very confusing where he's saying that abortion has not been a part of the landscape and et cetera, et cetera, using some really weird references. But basically, this will be the first time that they say that you can go ahead and ban an abortion before viability. So that's what the challenge is with whole women's health in Mississippi. So the idea that you could just pick a random gestational age. And so what will happen is if they do overturn it, is then it will go back to the states. 
because I've had a lot of followers who are like, you don't know what you're talking about because Roe v. Wade doesn't mean that abortion is illegal everywhere. It just means it goes back to the states and they can decide. And what that means is that a lot of states will just automatically make it illegal. We have up to 26 laws already that are trigger laws that it will be. And this idea that's a, that's like somehow okay or like it's not illegal, just the states will get to choose, but the states shouldn't, your access to basic health care shouldn't be determined based on the state in which you live. And so the idea of Roe v. Wade was that it would allow for a national idea of what can can happen in terms of abortion care. However, there have been restrictions that have whittled it away over the years since then. And that was the day that that, that decision got handed down, the, the Republicans were already planning to slowly chip away at it. And they've planned for, for this day and this moment since then, stacking the courts and that kind of thing. So it's not like it's some brand new idea. So yeah, so it just means that our rights will be really restricted and it will definitely depend where you live, which is really terrible. Having just flown back from Texas and the feeling of being there and feeling like a second-class citizen based on SBA and what's going on right now. How and why is it so important for women and people with uteruses and just people, period, to be out here advocating to not overturn Roe versus Wade? I honestly don't think everybody really gets it because people think, well, I don't like abortion, so I don't care about this. And I am one of those people who see me on social media. Like I say, it's fine if you don't like abortion. Like that's the beauty of it is that I'm not here to force you to see why you yourself should have one, but just the idea that it should be left up to you because then where is the slippery slope? Where does it stop? Do they then decide what kind of birth control that you can use? Do they then decide what kind of emergency contraception you can use? And when I say they, I mean the government. But I'd like to even take it out of that realm even more because a lot of the people who don't like abortion also think that those things should be limited. What if, and like hypothetical, what if you were told that based on your blood type, you had to donate blood every three weeks because you were O negative or because in your community, you're O positive and that's needed and you don't get to decide. You have to go down. And if you don't, you'll be fined or you will go to jail. And most people would be like, that sounds crazy. That sounds like this weird place I don't want to live. And I'm like, that's the exact same thing, my friends, like being told that you have to do something with your body or that you can't like, by have to, I mean, you have to give birth to a baby because you get pregnant. How is it any different? And this idea of it being the idea of people saying, well, it's based on life and giving life a chance then why are we not forced to donate our corneas and our kidneys and our lungs? Because we could still live. We only need one kidney. Why is it that that's not mandated? And we know that people die waiting for transplants. That's very clear. So why is it that we've only decided that the fetus is something is worth protecting, but these other things aren't, and that's crazy. But where does that begin and where does that end? And when I do say that to people, they're like, you're blowing it out of abortion. It's the same people who told me months ago when I put up a TikTok that said when Roe Wade is overturned and they're like, you're blowing this out of proportion. It's never going to happen. Well, that did not aid you well. So it's a big deal and people need to pay attention because even if you don't agree with it, it's going to affect somebody. It's going to affect somebody you love and it's going to limit healthcare, widen the poverty gap, take away your bodily autonomy. Keep in mind, these are often the same people that don't want to be told to get vaccines and wear masks. But anywho, abortions aren't contagious. It just doesn't make sense in a civilized society where we have decided to protect hypothetical rights versus those who are already here, yet in other aspects of healthcare, we tend to turn a blind eye. And why? Because it's about politics. It's not about abortion. It's about control. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's so interesting how if it was about the fetus, we would be doing so many other things. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at the the formula situation that we're running into right now. 
And that vote, was that not the most perfect thing to see? Like the same people who voted against supporting formula are the exact same people who want to legislate away your rights to family planning. Like make it make sense. You can't. Yeah, it doesn't make sense at all. And it's it is all politically backed motive. And and it's just really sad to see where we are going in the trajectory of our future. And as a woman, what this means for me and my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fact that you have to decide like where you go to school or where you live if you've got a uterus or you've got daughters or you just like don't want to live in a place where you are told what to do, which again is so weird because it's coming from the party that's like, don't tread on me. I don't get it. But people need to understand the history of this. This really went into overdrive after the civil rights, you know, desegregation happened in the school system. And that was before that, that was the real way that Republicans got people to the polls. And then that they realized that now desegregation was happening. Not that it was perfect, but They then sort of landed on abortion as a way to get people to the polls. And they were able to really um, make it this very divisive argument that prior to this really wasn't that way. And when you look at 70% of Americans don't want Roe v. Wade overturned, yet here we are. It doesn't seem that way, but you know what you hear in the rhetoric, it's about control. It's about how do they get what they want through. It's a really insidious form of brainwashing. And I'm not saying that to be dramatic, but because when you actually talk to people, a lot of them are against it until they themselves need an abortion or they know somebody who does. And it's just so interesting to me how those people will continue to get them. They'll be fine. It's the people who don't have access who won't be. Yep. And I think that people don't realize how many people have had abortions and that it's not it's not women who are laissez-faire about they're right. Like that's just their birth control. Like these TikTok commenters that are like, well, maybe you should stop using it as a form of birth control. Thank you. They're not. Maybe you should use it. You know, maybe just don't have sex. Yeah, cool. Abstinence is awesome. But the, a lot of people were on birth control when they got pregnant because um, it doesn't work 100% of the time. It, it, it's sound bites. It's all sound bites and what you're fed and what aligns with your belief system. And and it's hard because we are just so polarized. And I see this. I live in Portland, Oregon. Like I, my rights are great here. And then I flew to Texas this weekend and they're not. And just to feel how different it felt, it felt really, really disgusting. But I also thought it was really important for me to get out of my bubble. And I felt it. And I was like, oh my God. Everybody should be like, we should just, can we just start talking to each other and not in like this rhetoric, but like in a, so here's what I'm concerned about. Tell me what you're concerned about. What about this? And just this idea that maybe just understand that people can walk in different shoes and it's okay. Just like people who are, would never use birth control, would never want an abortion, would never, whatever, you know, it's okay. Why can't you just let people live their lives? And if you say, well, it's because you're harming a, a baby, like, again, like, just the idea that, you know, but what about the mom? Right, exactly. And right now that's what's happening. So in Texas, in these states, these people who need an abortion, you know, they've broken their bag of water early and they're never going to make it to term or they're in hypertensive crisis and they're going to have a stroke. They're being forced to almost so close to death before they're allowed to intervene, their physicians to do a termination. How is that <laughs> because of the dead mom? Her uterus can't spit out any more babies. So it's a bit weird. But that's where you see it's not about that. It's just about controlling them. And then who's going to care for the baby if mom dies? But it was so important to carry the baby. Yeah. Now what? Now you have a a child who is potentially stuck in the system because of political bullshit, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, they won't fund it, right? These states often, they don't have Medicaid expansion. They don't 
fund comprehensive sex education. They don't fund 8 million other things. So it, it's just super weird. It would be, it, and I'm not saying not everybody is like this, but it would be, you, you'd have a lot harder. They'd be more successful if they actually followed through and were like, yep, and we're going to vote for this and we're going to fund this and we're going to make sure these babies are taken care of and whatever, which still doesn't change the fact that you can't force somebody to go through the risks of pregnancy and birth. But at least it wouldn't be so hypocritical. Like at least they could look themselves in the mirror and like really consider themselves pro-life because it's not about that. It's about forced birth right now. Yeah. How or like, what do you recommend we do in preparation for this potentially being overturned within the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I think it's important to do the things that a lot of people have been doing, which is sharing and showing their support on social media and getting out there and going to rallies and protests. And those are super cool and awesome and important, but it's also important to do more. And the two ways you do more is you give people money and you take care of yourself and you get educated and prepared. And the bottom line is abortion funds need our help. So you can go to, you can Google your local abortion funds. They need the money. They are the ones, especially in these states where restrictions are happening. They are helping people get access. They are paying for transport. They are really stepping up and they're heroes right now. And the other thing is to get prepared. So last week now, I launched a website called threeforfreedom.com. And the goal of that is to make it very simple for people to do three things, which is birth control, emergency contraception, and medication abortion pills with the idea that you have all of these ready to go. Not like, you know where to go if you need them. Like, no, you have them because who knows where further restrictions are. And in a perfect world, if you don't get pregnant, you're on a long acting form of, of birth control, like an IUD or an implant. But if that's not your thing, or you don't have access, you can get other stuff mailed to you, like birth control pills, rings, even the depo shot patches. So on Three for Freedom, it's super simple. There's three websites you can go to. There's tons out there, trust me. And these are all great pharmacies, but I picked ones that were easy and had birth control and also emergency contraception. And then in terms of emergency contraception, getting Plan V or better yet, Ella, because it works better and um, works better at higher weights. Having that filled, mailed to you, you've got it in your house if you or your friend needs it. And then third, having medication abortion pills prescribed to you in advance. And you can get that, you guys, in all 50 states, even though some states have made it illegal. The beauty is the organization Aid Access, because they will ship them from an international pharmacy if you're in the U.S. where your state has made it illegal because they're not subject to those same laws. And this is legit. This is not like you go to your corner store and you're getting some weird pills that you don't know if they're real. And so they will be mailed to you and it can take a few weeks, which is why getting ahead of And I throw in there too, like get pregnancy tests, pay attention to your cycles, track your cycles so that if you figure out where you're pregnant, you figure out soon enough so that you can do a medication abortion because that's only really, it should be done up to 10 weeks of pregnancy. So there are ways, and by doing this and by being educated and empowered, nobody can ever take that from you. Once you know, they can't take that away. They can burn and they can ban all the books they want. But that's the beauty of the internet is that we can teach ourselves because Lord knows our schools aren't doing it and prepare. So preparation and donating and continuing to speak up, speak out and report misinformation when you see it. So you brought up Ella versus Plan mm-hmm. B and I've done a podcast episode about this before. Oh, yes. But I would love to talk a little bit more about the difference between the two and why is Ella more effective? Yeah. So we'll start with plan B, which is levonorgestrel pill. And it is, there's a bunch of generics. The beauty of it is that you can get it over the counter, no age restriction, no gender restriction. Anybody can buy it. The downside is that you should use it within three days of unprotected sex or 72 hours. 
And it decreases efficacy over 155 pounds, and it might not work at all over 175 pounds. Now, if that's all you have, and that's where you fall, like you can still take it. Like it's better, better safe than sorry. But if you want something that works a bit better, Ella or Ulipristal acetate works up to five days or 120 hours after unprotected sex and is good up to probably 195 pounds. After that, it also may not work, which is really why the best, the best form of emergency contraception is actually the copper IUD. Obviously, that means that you've got to be able to access it and have a clinic appointment, but that's also good for up to five days after sex, maybe even longer, but right now we say five. And you've got a plan A moving forward and the failure rates, meaning ongoing pregnancy or, or getting pregnant is much lower. The important thing, all of these, they only work to before you're pregnant. So they do not affect an implanted pregnancy, which is what a pregnancy is. So it's really, and in terms of efficacy, Ella, it works better um, as an antiprogestin. It They both delay ovulation, but in different ways. So if you've got a choice, I just wish it was over the counter. drives me nuts because I feel like if we could just have that in vending machines everywhere. People would be so much more prepared. And I found even most of my friends don't know the difference between the two. No, not at all. Yeah. And a lot of clinicians, you know, like I have a lot of ER doctor friends and things and they don't know the difference between the two. And yeah, my, my preferred is obviously Ella. Because Ella is an anti-progesterone, how does that not impact a pregnancy? Yeah, because probably what you're leading into is like, why don't all these Republicans say like, these are abortifacients when they're not. And so they work in different ways. So plan B works by delaying the maturation of the follicle that releases an egg. Ella works by delaying the eruption or the, the release of the egg itself. So they both work on the follicle in a bit different ways. Ella, ulipristal acetate is a selective progesterone receptor modulator. It is not the same as mifepristone, which is what people often think they're the same because mifepristone is also an antiprogestin, but they work in different mechanisms, meaning that if you already are pregnant, Ella will do nothing. And also taking both of these will do nothing if you're already pregnant. Like it won't cause a, cause a harm if you then, if you took it and oh my goodness, you happen to be pregnant and you choose to remain pregnant. So they're entirely different, but you will see that these will be the next target for regulation will be the emergency contraception and the IUDs because legislators don't really understand how they work. And they don't understand. They think that they read a packet insert. They see some language in there that is confusing. I understand it, but they use that as a reason for making their laws and it's not based in science. And we're already seeing that. I know like, I think it was Louisiana and Missouri are already trying to ban emergency contraceptive and IUDs, which is just insane because IUDs are a long acting form of birth control that works great for some women. Right. Yeah. And they just, they don't cause abortions. They, there is just so much misinformation because when you look back at the labeling, they say that they could have a post-implantation, or they could affect the endometrium such that a, an embryo couldn't implant. You could hypothetically say anything, but they don't have human data to back this up. This is based on animals. And in the studies that we have, that has not been shown to be how it works. So I, this is what I tell people too. If you 100% are like this method, I need to absolutely know, can it impact an embryo then? And you're not willing to accept a 0.001% chance that maybe it could, then don't use it. But don't use that as a reason for outlawing an entire class of medication that not only work as great birth control, 
But when we're talking about progesterone IUDs, like keep people from getting endometrial cancer and needing hysterectomies. Like they are amazing when they, what they do in terms of, of other ways that they work. But again, it's, these laws are usually made by people who've never needed any of these because they don't have a uterus, which just befuddles me. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I actually work in fertility and studies show that if you start looking at HCGs after ovulation, there are a ton of miscarriages that happen before a menstrual cycle actually starts. So if you really want to get all down into the nitty gritty, there are a lot of pregnancies that don't implant. Right. 50%, 50% of the time. And it's not because like, it's because these will never become viable fetuses and babies because genetically they're not correct or something's not right. So honestly, not being on birth control, I mean, is probably the way that you lose the most embryos. And like, that doesn't seem very pro-life to the people who define an embryo as a pregnancy. So it's, I mean, what are they going to do next? Force us to not menstruate? I don't know. It's just so, it's so bizarre. And how this will, and is already a fertility physicians. Um, I was talking to one who practices in Texas and she's like, so my clinic is investing all this money in a new lab, but I don't even know if I'm going to be able to use it. Or do I have to send the embryos somewhere else? Or do we have to do procedures out of state? Do we have to transfer embryos that we know won't take? Because like, that's how you do it ethically. It's bizarre and it's stupid and it's backwards. And it's all a distraction from the very real work we need to do in this country right now about maternal mortality, COVID pandemic, which by the way, is still going on like lots of other things, you know, it makes no sense. Speaking of maternal mortality, did you see that article from the Senator in Louisiana? I saw part of it and then I stopped because I was like, this is a perfect example of why we are where we are, because you just can't remove the outliers that um, blow up your data, like your data set. That's just not how it works. And when you try to erase the whole class of people, like that's why we are here today. Like, oh my freaking God, like, I just don't understand. And these are the idiots that are in power making laws who are completely just off their rockers. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I just can't. Well, and for the listeners to get the backstory, the Louisiana Senator, who is a doctor, by the way, he said that maternal health death rates are not significant if you take out the Black women. Right. Because so let's just ignore them, right? Because that's just, oh, well, like, like their lives don't matter. And we're just going to say that that's okay. Oh my God. I just, wow. Where's the logic in that? I just don't understand. Mm-mm. No, there's none. There's none. Just a whole lot of racism. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. I sent it to some of my friends from Louisiana and they're like, yeah, that's exactly what we expect from Louisiana. Unfortunately, like that's what it's built off of. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I went to med school in New Orleans and like being there and now being elsewhere, you're like, let's make this tracks. This is on brand. So you brought up like medical abortions and being able to do those at home. And is it safe to do an unmonitored medical abortion? It is. And I think this is really important to to help people understand this. So we call it self-managed abortion. And this is not your DIY abortion where you're like Googling, what can I take and what should I do? And I mention that because there are TikToks that will try to tell you how and websites and herbs and stuff. And, and that's not what we were talking about. Those are not safe. What we're talking about is using the same medications, mesoprostol, mifeprostone at home, not requiring you to come into the office to get these medications, which you used to have to in many states. And honestly, thanks to the pandemic, <laughs> we now are able to do these abortions over telehealth. And that has actually been put in effect past, you know, saying that we can do that ongoing. 
But this is even going a step further and saying, you don't have to log in and have an appointment because I know this is hard for some people to believe, but we are really smart and we can read the instructions. Like we can figure out <laughs> something is safe to use and you can tell us how to use this. This is a generation that knows how to do those things. So, you know, you kind of go through some, some check boxes of saying, when was your last period? How far along do you think you are? And figuring that out and making sure that if you need access to emergency care, like knowing what to look out for, what to expect, a lot of it's really just about education. And then you take these medicines and here's what to expect. Here's when you need to seek care. Here's how to know it worked or how it didn't. And it can be done very safely and it can be done successfully. And we know that medication abortion can be effective up to like 95 to 98% of pregnancies. The ones that don't either need additional medicine or might need a surgical abortion. And for people who need to seek emergent care, it's super rare. It's like less than a couple percent of people who need like a blood transfusion or an emergent surgery or antibiotics from sepsis. So talking about the things that could be really, really scary. So when it comes down to a medicine that you could take at home, they're safer than Tylenol, like legitimately, like these medications are safer than Tylenol. And just like with birth control, we're trying to get that over the counter. We've been trying to do that for a long time now, because we know we've seen in studies that people can self you know, go through kind of a guided checklist of how we know it's safe for them. You could overdose on a pack of birth control and you'd be nauseous. You'd throw up. You could overdose on Tylenol and you have to go to the hospital and it's very different. Yet Tylenol, that's easy to get, but birth control isn't. Why? Because Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Because yeah, you can have toxicity from Tylenol and the risks of birth control are very minimal. I mean, yeah. And it's, again, it's this paternalistic idea of like, well, they need, it's also like, I get it. There are right? Doctors have skin in the game. What if we, everything's over the counter? When will they come to see us? And as somebody who is a doctor, I'm like, that's okay. They still do need us. And imagine we might have time to talk about other things and do other good stuff. So giving people more control and do more educating. Exactly. Exactly. And when they come in, you've got an empowered patient who like knows how to access these things. Like it's, it's not about, we don't need to keep these things as like hold these things hostage in order to get patients to partner with us. I love that. So how is a medical abortion actually different than a surgical abortion? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a medical abortion is taking those two pills I mentioned. One causes the uterus to contract. That's the mesoprostol. And then mifepristone, or you may have heard of this RU486, that is that anti-progesterone. So it stops the pregnancy from just from growing. And so what happens is you pass the pregnancy uterus, like, you know, having uterine contractions. So think of it like a heavy period. And yes, it can be very crampy and it can be really uncomfortable and painful for some people. And we have medications that we can give you to help with that. A surgical abortion um, is a surgery. So it's dilating or opening the cervix and then removing the pregnancy. This is something that can be done in the office, being awake, having local medication, having IV sedation, or having other medication to sedate you or to be fully under general anesthesia. And this just depends usually how far along you are, and your preference too, and what you have access to. The benefits, it's really a personal decision. Both of these are extremely safe as a surgical abortion. Both of these are, it's really kind of personal preference. Some people want a medication abortion because they feel it seems more natural or it seems private. Whereas others want a surgical abortion because they want it done. They don't want to have to potentially bleed for a while. They don't feel comfortable at home. So it's really it's about giving people the options if they've got options, if they haven't been taken away from them and then letting them decide what's best for them. How is a DNC different than a surgical abortion? So a DNC stands for dilation and curatage. And that is a term that we often use to describe 
what we're doing as a surgical abortion, or if we, let's say somebody's given birth and they've got some of the placenta left there, we will use the same term DNC because that D dilation, opening the cervix, C curatage. What the curatage refers to is emptying the uterus, whether there's a pregnancy in there, whether there is a whole bunch of blood, whether there's a piece of placenta. So it's really um, just the term for the procedure, but what you can do it for, you can do it for different things, if that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And I see it all the time in like the work that I do. And I'm familiar with the different terms and how uh, essentially it's the same procedure, just with a different reason. Yeah. And I think it's important for listeners to know that there are some terms that are used that are actually not real things at all. So you might hear of things like partial birth abortion or a late term abortion. Those are terms aren't any sort of medical term. Like if you asked me what they were, I would say, I don't know, because I know I can tell you like a preterm birth is before 37 weeks and a post-term. Those terms are just um, really were made up because they sound very scary. And they, what do they do? They get you to pick a side and to be like, oh, partial birth abortion. That sounds terrible. I'm going to vote against that. Like that's not a thing that, that we do. <laughs> But legislators will have you believe otherwise. That's a really, really good point to bring up the terminology and utilizing emotion to evoke a response. Well, this has been super fabulous learning about how our future is impacted by Roe versus Wade and really giving the listeners some better information about abortion, emergency contraceptive. Is there anything that you want the listeners to take away from today's conversation? I think the most important thing, and I've been saying this over and over again on social media, is it's about prevention, but not panicking. So don't run out there and buy up all the plan B. Don't run out there or get a tubal ligation or have your partner get a vasectomy because you're so freaked out right now. Like We still are in control. There's things that we can do, but you don't have to panic. So be prepared, be educated, know where to go for help, and be active instead of sitting there feeling so helpless because you're so overwhelmed. And it's okay if you do feel like that every now and again, because I do. But I know I feel better when I do something about it, whether it's showing up to a march, which I don't want to trivialize, but that's still so important to show that public support. But it's also okay to turn off the news and instead just be like, you know what, I'm going to donate $25 here, or I'm going to reshare this post because maybe it'll help somebody, or I'm going to go to site three for freedom and make sure I share that on my Facebook so people know, or I'm going to make sure that I've got emergency contraception and medication abortion pills. Maybe I don't think I'll need it, but maybe my friend will. So prepare, don't panic and understand that. I think this is going to be a long game. I think this is not something that's going to go away soon. I think things tend to eventually find their way back to the middle, but yeah, people are going to get harmed in the meantime and it's hard and vote. That's the most important thing. You need to vote in your your local elections. This is why we have the Supreme Court justices we do today because people showed up and voted and, and got them where they were. And so we need to make sure that that we have people in power who are representing us who are not trying to use their personal beliefs to take away our control. Because last time I, I heard, I thought this was the land of the free, and it's just it's kind of not the land of the. It's not at all. I know. I'm planning my my I'm planning my personal move out of the states. Personally, I'm thinking like, where can I go? Oh, I know. Wouldn't it be nice to like just I just need to find an island somewhere and just go and like, there's no internet and there's no no CNN or Fox News. <laughs> How do I get there? But then I wouldn't get to see all my fun cat and dog TikTok. So that would be sad. Yes, that is also true. So tell us a little bit about your book. 
Yeah. So that's in terms of like a way to educate yourself. I really think it's good and not just because I wrote it, but it's called Let's Talk About Down There. And OBGYN answers all your burning questions without making you feel embarrassed for asking. Because really my social media, my book, it's about like getting the answers to the questions that you did not get in school because nobody told you. And you didn't think you could ask because you thought your body was dirty and shameful and doing it in a fun way. It's question-based. It's just like a TikTok on a page. It's illustrated. It's super shame-free. It's inclusive. And it's broken up into sections and it works the way my brain works, which is like question-based. So is a period a real period on birth control? What do I do if I find out I had unprotected sex? I have a whole table I created about emergency contraception and it's all evidence-based. It's all, there's references. So you can know that it's legit information and it's broken up into sections about periods, possibly pregnant care down there. And it's just a lot of fun. You can read it in like an hour or two, or you can just target a question that you want. You can find it anywhere. Amazon. Barnes and Nobles or local bookstores. It's super fun. So you can check it out if, uh, if you might be interested. Yeah, I was looking at it and it's super easy to read. And I think that it would be a really great book for people who have teenage daughters to help guide those conversations and questions I and mean, just help support that conversation. Yeah. And I, as a parent too, people say, well, how do you have these conversations? And that's a talk for another day. But having these kinds of resources in your house, I joke, I'm like, leave it in the bathroom. It's a great bathroom book. Like your kid will pick it up and be like, oh, I I don't want to ask my mom about this, but I can read this in here. And then you'll be surprised. Then they'll have questions and they probably will come to you if you're the one that put that book out there because they see that you're a safe space, which now more than ever, I think is super important. And as a parent, you want your kids to come to you, right? And not Google. I mean, I'm out there. I love it if they Google me. But there's also a lot of bad stuff out there too. So, so yeah, you got to get good resources. Mm-hmm. And I've gone down it and I'm do it. Where can the listeners find you at? So you can find me at Dr. Jennifer Lincoln. It's Dr. Jennifer Lincoln on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. I'm on Twitter too, but not not that much because Twitter is a yucky place. Um, and then my website, drjenniferlincoln.com. Check it out there. Perfect. Yes. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Yeah, you too, Jordan. Even though it's not fun to talk about this stuff, it feels good to like get it out there and say, what can we do next? Because we're not, we don't have to be victims. We can be proactive here. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is sponsored by Intimacy Coaching by Jordan Donnell. Have you ever desired more from your sex life or feel like you're having good sex, but curious about how to make it even better? Are you desiring a deeper, intimate connection with yourself? Or maybe you are dealing with desire and arousal concerns or struggling with communicating your desires with your partner. If you're hearing this and thinking, hmm, that might be me, and you're curious to learn a bit more, let's chat. I would love to talk with you more to see if working with me is a good fit for you. To learn more about intimacy coaching with Jordan Donnell, go to coaching.jordandonnell.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for joining today and continuing to bring awareness to women's health. If you love the show, please subscribe so you never miss another episode and leave a review for others to see. If you want to see me on the daily, you can check out my bio for links to all my pages. Be sure to share this episode with your girlfriends. Thanks again and see you next episode.